Welcome to the Daily Writer Podcast, where we bring you tips and inspiration each day to help you build habits for writing success. For more resources, including your free Daily Writer Starter Kit, visit dailywriterlife.com. Here in Daily Writer World, we frequently talk about ways to build a business as a writer. The sooner you can get comfortable thinking of yourself not just as an author, but also as a business owner, the better. One of the best business decisions you can ever make is building multiple streams of income with your book. And my guest is here today to teach us how to create one of the most important income streams, which is creating courses. Dr. Lucas Marino is the founder and owner of Marino Consulting Services and his two training companies, Marino Training and East Partnership. He is also the co-founder of the Empire Builders Masterclass, a training resource for creative entrepreneurs. Lucas helps entrepreneurs and authors launch and sustain online training products. He's a certified Thinkific expert and host of the Conversations with Course Creators podcast. A military engineer by experience, he spent 21 years as a naval engineer in the United States Coast Guard. He then founded Marino Consulting Services and worked in several senior logistics engineering program manager roles for military acquisitions, including Army Landing Craft, and the Navy's Columbia submarine program. Then Lucas decided the time was right to realize his dream of being a creative entrepreneur, so he made the big leap. Lucas has a real passion for developing others and partnering with other entrepreneurs. So in this conversation today, we dive into everything that you always wanted to know about creating a course from your book, but were afraid to ask. You'll learn why a course is a great product, types of courses and the tech platforms to deliver them, how to be an awesome instructor, even if you don't have a teaching background, and much more. Make sure to check out Lucas's website, marinotraining.com, as well as his brand new book, Monetize Your Book with a Course. And of course, there will be links to all those things in the show notes. This was a really fun interview. Lucas is a good friend of mine. He's also a member of our Daily Writer Club, and I have so much respect for what he's accomplished, and I'm so excited about this brand new book that he has out, Monetize Your Book with a Course, and I'm super excited to dive into that topic today in this conversation. So, Here's my interview with the amazing Dr. Lucas Marino. Lucas, thanks for making time to be a guest on the show today. I'm excited about this conversation on monetizing your book with a course. You are the man, you are the myth, the legend, the expert on this topic. Yes, you. And I'm excited to have you here. So thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for the invite, Kent. And um, I'm a huge fan of the show. So this is a little bit of a, I'm starstruck. (laughs) Starstruck. <laughs> Not only do I get to hang out with Kent in the in the mastermind, but uh, to be on the show, this is pretty surreal because I've you know listened to it for over a year and a half now. Well, you know, well, thank you. Well, you know, people do tell me sometimes I cut quite a figure in my polo shirt. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't realize before you I got, got on today that, that you were going to be wearing a polo shirt. So you know, maybe subconsciously I was like, Kent polo shirt. This is what I'm wearing today. I'm just I'm going to start a whole platform around guys wearing the same color polo shirt just every day, like a Steve Jobs thing. Like, wouldn't life be easier if we just didn't have to think about that stuff? I actually uh, know a guy who does that in his market as part of his branding. Um, Steve Sims wears a black t-shirt everywhere. That's funny. That's yeah. actually kind of genius. That's what he wears. And oh. if you see him with like a suit jacket on, it's over a black t-shirt. <laughs> That's what he wears. That's awesome. I love it. Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about course stuff. So I've got a lot of questions about monetizing your book with a course. Mm-hmm. And this is a very simple topic, but also it, I think writers sometimes make it more complex than it needs to be. So I'm excited to dig into some of the topics that you have in your amazing new book. 
And I think the first question I would throw out there is, why would somebody want to put the time and the effort into a course when they've already written a book and they've put all this knowledge and time and wisdom into a book? What value does a course bring to somebody that a book doesn't bring? Maybe that's the first question I would ask. Yeah, it's a great question. Well, there's there's several reasons. One, you've already, it's kind of like the inverse of the question. You've already done all that work. So getting to a course is much easier than if you didn't have hmm. a book. Like having gone through the process of writing a book and then publishing a book, whether it be self-published or traditionally published, is like so parallel to course development that it's almost like you have an advantage after you've gone through the process of writing and publishing your book when it comes to course creation. So it's like you're primed, you're ready to go. So the time's right. So that's good timing. Second part is the, the monetary value of a, of a course versus a product like a book. As much as I love writing, reading, consuming all the things book, I know that the market for courses is much stronger when it comes to pricing. Um, so if you're someone that's written a book and you're trying to figure out how to not only sell more books, but also find alternate ways to take that same experience, that same knowledge that you put in your book, put it in a new format, release it and sell it for a much higher price, the courses give you that opportunity. So it can be a bit of a force multiplier for the book in that you can now take that into a parallel or a companion product and mm -hmm. send the same message um, to sometimes the same reader in a different way. Now, alternatively, um, you may actually reach a new audience with your course that you didn't reach with your book. Oh, some, that's good. Yeah. Some people are just served by courses and they're in the market for a course. They don't, they, either they don't traditionally buy and read books on these topics or they just find audio or visual presentation of material more appealing to them. So they're more apt to go for the audio book or they're more apt to go for a course on the same topic. So is there, there's, is there some value in we as authors just admitting to ourselves that not everybody wants to read. Some people want to consume material by via audio, like a podcast or audiobook. Some people like courses. Some people like groups or masterminds better. So this kind of requires some humility, doesn't as as an author, because oh, you have to step back and go. Not everybody. You have to embrace the idea that not everybody wants to read your book, no matter how good it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it, in in fact, it's it's kind of. It's a little heartbreaking, right? Like, it's like yeah, it kind of is. <laughs> and 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 you don't. And it's hard to understand because we love books, whether they're ours or not, right? So like, we love other people's books, and we love the the practice of reading and and the experience. But it is a different time commitment. Um, it is a different type of mental stimulation, like the visual stimulation that comes with video, animation, uh, right? Any type of of visual content outside of the published word just is different for some people. And so, you know, they may, yeah, like you said, they may just not be readers. Um, I, I find the, I think it was, who was it that wrote a book recently? I got like a huge publishing deal. Was it uh, Billie Eilish? And yeah, the book tanked. It tanked because her audience Hard. doesn't read. Yeah. <laughs> and you, and I read that story not too long ago and I just thought what publishing person approved that? Mm -hmm. Like what, what publisher would think that basically Gen Zers would want to, to read a big book like that? I mean, my son's 19. He doesn't like to read books. So I don't know. I kind of feel bad for the publishing people because they probably thought that was a great idea. Yeah, they may have, you know, but I think it's a pretty quick, I mean, she probably could have done a 
poll on Instagram or something ridiculous like that yeah. to figure out whether it was a good idea. <laughs> you know, although I think that in some part, there's always this expectation that people with that big an audience, they're just going to get people to buy whatever they put out. Right, right. Yeah. You know? For us, it'd be c- catastrophic. You know, when you think about the amount of time and money and effort invested in building something like a book in your business, and then you put it out and it just completely flat and there's like no hope. Yeah. It's like, that's terrible. That's terrible. Man. Yeah. There's a lot of nuances to all that stuff, I guess. I, I wish I understood I understood them better, but it's always fluctuating in the publishing industry, of course, what people like and what they don't like. And yeah, I don't know. Um, why do you think that most authors don't make courses from their books? What What is it about so many writers that that sometimes we're hesitant to take our book and turn into some other forms of, of products that people can enjoy? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a that's a question that gets right at the heart of a lot of my clients actually because they um, go through this period of either they've never considered building a course or they have but something's keeping them from doing it. And it's by the way, we're speaking mostly about nonfiction authors here, people that are right, subject right. matter point. experts in something, and they want to then carry that expertise to people um, in these different product forms. But to to do so in a course requires some of the some of the things like tech stacks. When I say tech stack, I mean software. When I say mm-hmm. software, I mean learning management systems and customer relationship management systems and all this stuff that immediately people go, whoa, 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 whoa. You sound like you're speaking another language. <laughs> and all they've done is read an article, right? Like yeah. on how to get started and they get turned off when they realize or when they think uh, that there's going to be this huge tech mountain to climb or this big skills gap that they don't have a way to close. And in reality, it's really not that bad at all. Um, so a lot of times it's just like a misunderstanding of what it's going to take. Um, other times it's commitment. They've they've already committed to this book. They're marketing the book. Their their plate's full when it comes to time, and they're worried about the amount of of personal energy and and time and money that it's going to mm-hmm. take to get a course built. And a lot of times um, when they start trying to do it without bringing someone on to help them. They just get overwhelmed. Um, and rather than just be confident and take one step at a time, they get they lose their confidence and they just get timid and they don't follow through. And I think that, by the way, that's the worst thing you can do. I'd rather you create a so-so course and get going with it and serve people because with our technology we have today, like even something as simple as just turning on Zoom and recording yourself with a presentation or a PowerPoint. Like yeah. you can literally create courses with Zoom and just PowerPoint. Like and you don't have to sell them for a million dollars. Like I know a guy who sells courses for, he's made seven figures selling $150 courses. Wow. $150 courses are literally filmed just like this, except it's a PowerPoint with a screen share. And he's like in a little tiny box in the corner. And he tells you straight up like, Hey, I didn't spend a fortune on this budget to create this. I'm just going to walk you through how I do this. That's why the course costs $150, not, not a thousand. And I hope you enjoy it though. And I like the lo-fi courses. I'm, I find those really refreshing, honestly. Yeah. yeah, and that works. So I'd rather someone do that than not do anything, right? So yeah. I just think that oftentimes we just, we just are a little bit less optimistic about what we're capable of. And I'm just here to tell every last one of you that if there's one message in the book, it's that you can absolutely do this. Whether mm. you do it the way I tell you to or not, you can do this. Do it your own way if you need to, but you can do this. As long as you get the, the fundamentals of course development down, you'll be good to go. Okay. 
Now, before I dive into a couple of specific questions about course development and LMSs and curriculum, those kind of things, I'm already hearing the voices in my head. <laughs> I can hear the people listening who are screaming at me, not literally, but <laughs> but the the emotions that sometimes we feel, it feels like screaming because the objection that people have to recording themselves on video or audio sometimes is really, really strong. Mm-hmm. So what would you say to people who they think about the idea of creating a course, but they go, well, I, I'm not good on video. I don't want to learn the tech. I just don't want to hassle with it. How do, how do, how can people who don't want to do that, how do they get over the hump so they can create a course with the video sure. stuff? Yeah, no, great question. Um, you don't have to have video, although video, I, I, I say in the book, video is king, but audio rules. Video is king because people love video content. Um, but you don't have to be the face in the video. You can use animation. You can use um, your audio of your voice narrating over presented information. Um, I've seen PowerPoints that look like animated films. It's crazy what people can do. Um, You don't necessarily have to have long course videos either. Mm -hmm. So if you're comfortable with just shooting a few minutes and getting um, all the really key points out, in video, you can do that and then divert the rest of the content to audio-based or written content. Um, The big thing is that you meet the learner where they need you. So you just have to remember that if you decide not to do this, you're doing a disservice to your potential learners who aren't going to think the way you do about your video. They're actually proud of you for doing it. Hmm. And I think that if you can just acknowledge the fact that um, you got to get out of your head a little bit about it and you have control that you can do amazing things. And, and like I said, you don't have to be a face on a camera screen the whole time or a video screen the whole time. Um, you can, I've even seen people hire f- filming crews to bring in actors and everything. And I don't usually endorse that by the way, but it's possible, right? So there's just get creative and have fun with it. I, I actually helped a gentleman one time who was very severely disabled at a young age and he did not put himself in any of his videos, but he created this entire animated series that he Hmm. narrated. And I thought it was pretty cool to see somebody who just took the time to be artistic and create this animation. Um, And with the software we have now, like Vyond and Powtoon and all these other software to do things like animations, it's pretty quick and easy. Um, So yeah, there's, you have options basically is what it comes down to, or you could just do an audio course. True. Yeah, I love that. I mean, which is basically a podcast. Yeah, you can do an audio course. Um, Honoré uh, Quarter, for those that aren't, aren't uh, aware of who we're talking about, she has an audio course for her Prosperity for Writers. And people love it. I didn't know that. Yep. Yep. Now, you usually don't charge like a, a, you know, a very high ticket price for an audio-based course. I say usually because there's no rules. Um, it's all about the value of the uh, outcome of the course that drives the price, in my opinion, and um, mm-hmm. and buyer psychology. But yeah, that's absolutely an option. You can create an audio-based course that's heavy on text content as well, and you can provide other resources like downloadables and eBooks and and exercises and worksheets and all those things. And that's where you prop up all the value. And it's not necessarily about your face on video. Today's episode is sponsored by Vellum. As a writer, you not only want to write great books, you also want them to look professionally formatted and give your reader a great experience. If you've ever tried to format a book in Microsoft Word, you know how frustrating it can be to make your book look good 
using a tool that was never designed for book formatting. That's why for years, my go-to choice for book formatting software has been Vellum. Vellum gives you the power to build, style, and preview your book and have more fun than you ever thought possible while doing it. Vellum is the go-to choice for indie authors who care about creating beautiful eBooks and print books and want to save tons of time in the process. Best of all, you can download Vellum and play with your book's formatting to your heart's content. You only have to purchase when you're ready to publish. To download Vellum for free, visit tryvellum.com daily. That's tryvellum.com daily. All right, back to our conversation with Lucas Marino. So how do you know what format to put a course in? Okay, let's say, for example, um, somebody has a little book on some kind of nonfiction topic. How would they know whether to do an audio course, whether to do a video course? If you're going to do a video course, should you, I, I've, I've taken a lot of quote unquote courses over the years that are basically like a 60 or 90 minute video of them just showing some PowerPoint slides like we're talking about. They're walking through a process or whatever. It's just one recording versus doing like the same thing in little 10 minute chunks and having that in more of a fancier LMS system. Like, I think this is where a lot of people get hung up is they have the content, they're excited about it, but they don't know what form it should take. Gotcha. Yeah. So anytime you're talking about um, the form of the, of the, of the material, if I put on my, my like learning management hat for a minute or not learning management, but my training development hat for a moment, you're going to want to use the format that helps the learner achieve the outcomes and the objectives the most ideal way. So if it's, uh, especially if you have a lot of like memorization or you have a lot of information that's relevant to, or relative to like uh, memorizing bulleted lists, um, uh, lots of numbers, any math, anything where there's like formula, anything like that, where you have to see things kind of work together, video content is almost um, impossible to avoid. (laughs) Um, Right. You right. can do audio over slide presentation, like you were just talking about, where that information predict- uh, is is displayed on like a slide format, and that's fine. Um, you just have to be realistic about what you're going to build and what the learner can expect to experience. Okay. And I, I always gear it toward the learner's experience. So if you don't have visual elements, even if they're just you know typed element um, or printed element, if you don't have any visual element, you are taking away from visual learners. That's good. So, you have to have some visual element. You have to have some visual element to really serve that market. You have to have great audio. I don't care if you do video. I don't care if you do audio only. You have to have great audio in both cases. So audio is is the one quality thing you can't you can't uh, is non negotiable. Yeah, it's not to, expensive. I yeah, mean, it's, no, not, it's not hard to have good audio. No, you can buy a really good um, USB mic like a like a what I have right here. Yeah, or you know, I don't know how much you paid for that one, but like a Yeti Blue is one hundred and sixty-nine dollars. This is like seventy-five bucks, and this yeah. this mic is like ten years old. Yeah. I mean, I, I've got a nicer mic at home. I'm actually in my other office now, but this one sounds really good. Yep, I yeah. think. Yeah, you don't have to spend a fortune, and and the audio is just non-negotiable. You have to do a good job at the audio. Yeah. So just start with the fact that you're going to have to show people information some way, whether it be video or printed or worksheet or download or whatever or a combination thereof. And you're going to have to have an audio component. And if you can get through that part, you, you're you're well on your way to developing a course. Now, when it comes to like determining what type of video, it just has to be appropriate. And by the way, your, your comment about video length, 
that's just like a, a bell in my head because normally I recommend people stay as short in content as possible. Okay. And I tell people set a timer for whatever that uh, normal drumbeat is going to be in the course, whether it be 15 minute increments, 20 minute okay. increments, 10 minute increments, whatever it is, try to be consistent. Um, it doesn't mean you can't deviate. Um, but if you're going to have an hour long video, it better be because it has to be an hour long video. Like if you could yeah, have broken it up, you should sense. have broken it up. So I have a, an example in this one class where I have to take someone through a process and that process takes almost an hour to get into and explain every step of the way, like exactly what's happening. And I can break that up or I can leave it together. And I have to determine that as a creator of the content. If the, if the learner benefits from a break or not, it has nothing to sense. do with me. Yep. So you as the course creator, it has nothing to do with you and what you like. It has everything to do with what's going to be best for the learner. So I'm a big fan of 20 minutes or less on content, unless it's absolutely necessary. Um, and by the way, micromedia, like the shorter videos are really popular right now. In fact, in one of my courses, I have a five fundamental building blocks to uh, course foundation. Mm -hmm. And that video is a minute and 47 seconds long. And then after that video, which tells you which of these five points are, there's a video on each of those points to expand on it, right? So that if you were just like, I'm not watching any of this other stuff, you're going to watch a minute and 47 seconds to get the five points. Yeah. So what you're telling us, Lucas, is that you're going to become a TikToker. <laughs> the course creator, the TikTok course creator. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. But well, I know it won't happen on TikTok just because I can't have TikTok. But uh, for other reasons. But um, yeah, I'm not, I don't think I'm ever going to be like the king of short short content, short video. Yeah. That's really funny. If you can combine <laughs> dance, like dancing and funny cats with course creation, oh, I think you've got a winning combination there. That'd be a hit. For sure. <laughs> I'm trying to find a way to make it work with like, with romance, right? So that like, I can write these short uh, segments for all the, um, the rom-com readers out there because yeah. they're just snatching that stuff up, up, up left and right, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Same thing with like sci-fi readers and there, there's yeah. every genre, I guess, has its, it's really hardcore fans where they will just consume vast quantities of whatever that thing is. Right. Right. Yeah. That's and I'm the same way. Come to think about it, like, um, analysis videos of movies and stuff like that. I just can't get like a Godfather video. I've seen the Godfather a million times. I feel like I have learned about as much about it as I possibly can, but I still love it, you know? I'll yeah. still watch a two-hour video analyzing the Corleones or I don't know. <laughs> My guilty pleasure are um are our music reaction videos. Really? Yeah, I love them. Those and the, when they decompose the music, like when a musician's decomposing. Yeah, those are cool. Yeah. Cause I'm a musician, so I love like just hearing uh another like songwriter or producer's perspective on like how a song's written. It's it's fascinating. One of the most interesting videos that I watched over the last few months was uh, pop singer Charlie Puth was on Howard Stern and he was playing a bunch of other artists songs. Like he did a Bob Dylan song. I think he did one or two, one or two Bruce Springsteen songs. And he was like breaking down what made these songs great. It was really cool because he's like a super high tier musician. Mm. You know, he's, he's one of those, this is going to sound like an old man saying this, but he's one of these pop stars that, you know, can actually sing and play real instruments and write songs. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yes, that is a direct slam against most pop stars, probably. Um, <laughs> but he's like a real bona fide musician. And so it was cool to hear him go into super geek mode about, here's this Springsteen 
spring Bruce Springsteen song that is really cool. And here's what makes it great and all that stuff. So, okay. Back to courses, I guess. Where it's at. Every time I talk to you, I feel like I go off on a tangent because you always, you always have so many interesting <laughs> things to say. And it brings up all these interesting little rabbit trails. Cause I drag you out of the circle. I'm like, come on, let's go talk about. No, I like it. I, I love it. <laughs> okay. So getting comfortable with video and audio, that's a pretty key thing. Yeah. Um, can you talk to us about the delivery mecha- mechanisms of courses? For example, should somebody use something uh, like Teachable or Kajabi or, uh, I mean, there, there's so many other different LMSs out there, or should they have it just send it out over email? What, what, how should, how would somebody know what course delivery platform to use? Yeah, great question. Um, and by the way, your, your earlier question about like formatting, um, and when when I said about the video, like, you know, you can do it, just get out there and, and practice, by the way. Uh, I thought about this after I was speaking, but like, if you are are very insecure about creating that content, hmm. just just get some time with it. Like, no one has to see it. Like, just get out there and practice a bit and then have somebody like me or someone else that you trust, like Kent or whatever, you know, just just share some some thoughts on the videos and and, and you you might be surprised by like, it's not what you think it is. It's you're probably doing a great yeah. job. Yeah. Okay. So why have a learning management system is really what that other the 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 question you just asked is like why would I put it on a learning management system instead of like an email course or even email courses in my opinion should be housed on a learning management system. Every hmm. course you you publish, I believe, should be on a learning management system. There's several reasons for that. One is it's one place, it's professional, and you have a, a professional layout for the learner. So they have an easy to navigate dashboard. It's not clunky. You can do all kinds of stuff with a learning management system that most websites are not outfitted to handle. Like you could process payment, enrollment, completion, certificates. I mean, the works on a learning management system. And a lot of that would be manual or pieced together if you weren't using a learning management system. Kajabi. Okay. Thinkific, which I, I'm, I'm a sponsor of, or not sponsor, I'm a, a partner of Thinkific as, an, as a Thinkific agent or expert. Um, uh, Teachable, I've used Matrix, I've used Indie, I've used Blackboard, Canvas, um, a, a couple of others. But really what they all come down to is they give you a central place to manage learning content. And a lot right. of those platforms also give you the way to manage your learners, group your learners, um, provide them with drip content, which is like scheduling releases of information at certain time periods. That's the stuff that an LMS does that a lot of other platforms aren't capable of doing for you. Um, and it also provides some protection. So I even had like a client in the last month reach out to me and said, hey, I'm going to build this course in a learning management system. Would you like to see us see where it's at now? And I said, sure. And he sent me the sign up link with a discount coupon so I can enroll for free. I enrolled. And I got an email with a downloadable video. Hmm. And I thought, oh my gosh, what are you doing, dude? I can give yeah. this to anyone. I can modify it. I can post it on my web. I can do anything I want with this because I have your file, right? Like I have a video yeah. file. Um, same with like his workbook. He sent me a PDF that wasn't secured. Like it wasn't locked. So I could just do whatever I wanted with it. I could misrepresent his stuff. I could rob it. I could do anything. Um, now I'm not the kind of person to do that stuff, but there are people out there who do. And if you're a super like computer snob and you're saying, well, you technically can't protect any video from, from being ripped on any site, you're, you're correct. But like 99% of the population either doesn't know how to do that or isn't going to do that. And they're not going to sell your stuff yeah. on the black market. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but part of it to me is just representing your brand and the quality of what you present, especially if you want to charge any type of considerable fees for your course. Like I'm not going to pay a couple of hundred dollars or more to take a course that someone sends me in like a downloadable file and it's like a mess because chances are there's 30 of those. Right. Not going to be one video. It's like a whole course and everything's put in a in order. Do you have quizzes embedded in there? Do you have assignments with the ability to deposit assignments in the system and have the, the instructor notified and respond to the assignment and resubmit it to you? Like all these things happen in a learning management system that make the learning management system the logical choice for housing a course. So that's a short list. So lots of lots of things to consider there. Oh sure. yeah. And there's there's way more than I'm saying, but just trust me in, in the fact that I, I've had a learning management system since I started doing this for a reason. And I couldn't imagine trying to do this without it because I'd have to have put so many different pieces of tech together to make it that make it yeah. work like that, that it would just be too cumbersome to make worth my while. So someone has created a course, they have put it in a learning management system, they're excited about it, but then you have to market and sell it. Yes. Not necessarily in that order, I guess. Well, I guess in that order. Sure. Um, any tips that you would offer to authors who they want to create a course, but when it comes to the marketing and sales aspect of it, that that maybe seems stressful or maybe seems out of their range. So any tips? Yeah, actually, uh, the, so this all to me starts before you start creating the course. You need to make a good business justification for it. Okay. So the five fundamentals of course foundation development that I teach are like identify your learner, identify what problem they have that you're going to help them solve with your course, identify the solution to their problem. That's the thing you're going to provide them in the course. Identify the value and feasibility of that outcome. Like how is it, how probable it is that they can achieve this outcome after they've taken your course. And then um, what's the value of that outcome to them? You're going to need that for your pricing structure. And then the fifth one is all the objectives that it takes to reach that outcome. Like what does this person actually have to do to get that type of outcome? And how do I put that in the curriculum? So this helps you do your curriculum outline. You take your outline from your book, you take that, you put it together, you kind of do a little bit, of, and then you go, okay, what do I need to do to sell this thing? Like, who's going to buy it? Where is this ideal learner? You have a head, you have a head start on other people if you've already written a book because you should have done a lot of this thinking when you wrote your book, right? Yes. Like, who am I selling this book to? It's probably either the same person or very close to who you're going to sell the course to. Um, and you can start thinking about how you're going to put these two products into your business to work together. So you want to reference the the course in the book, right? In a, in a, in a re- revision of the book or whatever. Um, you're going to want to maybe poll your community and say, "Hey, look, for those that have enjoyed my course, how would or my book, how would you feel if I had this in a course? Would you like that? Would that be something you'd be interested in? You can gauge people's interest. Um, don't make any promises at that point. <laughs> Just talk to people. And then what you want to do is you want to start building a marketing plan just like you should have done for your book, right? So you want to talk about like, I'm going to release the course on this date. You can host webinars to help get awareness on the course. You can host workshops where you take a piece of the course and you break that out. You help people actually go do something with that information. And then you say, hey, look, by the way, a whole lot of the other stuff you're curious about is in the course. Why don't you enroll? Here's a discount. Thanks for the Mm -hmm. uh, the workshop attendance. Um, you've got all different ways you can do this. You can create a special community simply around that product, nurture that community, sell the course to that community, or include the course and the subscription to that community. 
you've got all these different ways you can incorporate the course into like marketing uh, and promotions in your business. Now, the one thing you do have to do, and this is no different than the book, is you have to be the one actively marketing and promoting your book like or your course. There's no way around it. You have to be consistent in telling people about it. Mention it or advertise it in your newsletters. Um, don't be spamsy or salesy. No one, no one likes that. But right. you can take segments of your course material, publish blog articles on it, embed a link to the course in the bottom of the blog article and say, hey, there's more, more to come. Check out the course here. Um, there's all different ways you can do it. But the reality is you have to start thinking about the marketing and promotion part early. You don't have to be married to a certain strategy, but you have to think about it early because this is part of your business justification for having investing right. in the course development and then rolling that out. Um, and you're going to market it and sell it just like your book. Um, in fact, every time you go talk about one, you're going to talk about the other. That's one of the beautiful things about having a course with the book or other products that are related to your book is that you can do a lot of cross promo. Yes. Which is really fun. Yeah. And again, Honoré has been the one who taught me about marketing books. Um, you know, I've been marketing and promoting courses for years, but marketing a book when, when I was learning more about that, I'm like, yep, yep, yep. Yeah. I mean, it's like, this is great that we have the opportunity to, like you said, cross promote. Um, and then there's just so many different ways that you can learn from promoting and marketing your book and roll those same lessons into, uh, marketing and promoting your, your course. So you, you are at a benefit or an advantage, I should say, if you've been promoting your book for a while and you've learned lessons from that. Wow. A lot of good stuff here. Um, and of course you dive more deeply into all this in your book <laughs> and will there be a course with your book? Yes, there is a course with the book. So I have, um, if you're someone that has written a book and you're interested in, um, learning more about specifically about how to take your book and, and turn it into a course, I have a course named monetize your book with a course, which is shares the same name as the book that's coming out February 27th. Um, and then I have a course, if you're not interested in publishing a book, which I don't know why you'd be listening to Kent's. <laughs> right. Kent's I don't podcast. like, somebody's listening going, I hate books and reading it, so don't. Yeah. <laughs> so if by the off chance you aren't interested in the book aspect of it, I do have a course strictly dedicated to teaching people how to build online courses. And that's called Build Your Online Course. Hmm. It's that simple. You can it. find both of those at, um, at marinotraining.com. All right, cool. Lucas, thanks for your friendship, for your wisdom, for your insights, and also for being a guest today in that order. <laughs> thanks, Ken. Particularly because, you know, the, the value that you bring to the world is it's so multifaceted and, you know, podcast guesting is only one small thing among a whole range of really cool things that you do. So I appreciate you taking time to share your wisdom with us. And of course, I'll have a link in the show notes to your website in the book and all those cool things. So thank you again. This has been a blast. I appreciate that, Kent. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And I would be a crazy person if I didn't leave here promoting the Daily Writers group. So. Well, thank you. I am thank a you. member. <laughs> and if you guys haven't checked out Kent's Daily Writers group, I highly encourage you to check it out because it has been uh, absolutely a uh, wonderful experience for me since I joined last year. And um, it's just, it's just fantastic. So go check it out. Well, thank you. And I didn't even pay you to say that. You didn't. <laughs> so thank you. <laughs> it's been a blast. Yeah. We'll just, uh, we'll, we'll exchange like dollars in a dark corner or something. Yeah, under the table. Yeah. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks, Kent.
Many thanks to Dr. Lucas Marino for being a guest on today's episode. I learned a ton about creating a course from your book, and I hope that you took notes because he shared a ton of wisdom about not just the processes of how to do this, but why you should do it and how you can monetize your book with a course. So I want to encourage you to check out his website, marinotraining.com, as well as grab his brand new book, Monetize Your Book with a Course. There will be links in the show notes. As always, thanks for listening. I so appreciate your time, and I will see you in the next episode.